Welcome to Energy Sense, the podcast that explores the most fascinating trends, news, and ideas in energy efficiency. I'm Chris Rawlings, the Chief Efficiency Officer here at Veteran LED, and today my guest is Dr. Serene Al-Momin. She is the co-founder and CEO of Senseware. Senseware creates a sensory system for your surroundings, capturing data to resolve your most persisting issues in areas of energy, health, and security. Welcome to Energy Sense. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I had the pleasure of getting a presentation done by one of your team members the other day on your technology. I guess for our guests listening, can you just give us a background on how you uh, came up with the idea of Senseware and what brought you into the into the industry? Yeah, so we started Senseware from an idea that uh, Julian and I had as we were finishing our PhD, which was related to uh, using sensor technology like accelerometers to better assess Parkinson's disease patient severity levels. As um, Julian, my co-founder, was looking at the data to help um, evolve the way that uh, Parkinson's disease patients were diagnosed, they re- he realized that another sensor like a gyroscope would be nice to add to the mix, but it was too late for him to incorporate a new sense of data because he would have had to develop the entire solution from scratch. So he didn't do that, but that's exactly what we were so excited about solving and building as a technology right after we were done. And so what we put together is a technology that allows us to connect to any type of sensor or data source that's out there very quickly in a plug and play way without having to redevelop the core of the technology and then bring that additional data source as needed in real time from the cloud from anywhere. So our whole mission today is to provide people with a sense of security that they're aware of what's happening in their physical environment at all times from anywhere. So we don't focus on one thing or the other. We just get any data that matters. In the world of energy efficiency, where we mostly play, we need that data to be able to quantify the projects that we're trying to propose uh, to permanently reduce buildings, energy usage, and reduce that environmental impact. I will say a lot of times it's difficult for companies like ours to find the right partners for the right projects. So whether it's a big industrial manufacturing facility that may have uh, very in-depth SCADA systems and different systems that they already have in place that we may need to integrate with, or maybe it's just something as simple as putting in a pulse meter on a main meter coming into an office building. Um, I'll say one of the challenges is trying to find simplicity in this technology world and this data world. How does Senseware um, put simplicity kind of ahead and, and make it easy for customers to understand what this technology can do and for contractors and other implementers like us to be able to kind of seamlessly integrate it into our projects? Yeah, we tackle simplicity in different ways. Um, But uh, just remember, because we came from trying to resolve an issue for the healthcare space and for doctors to use our technology, we had to make that technology very, very simple. 
uh, that a doctor could use. So that the simple uh, usage and deployment of the technology has stayed with us as we are now servicing not the healthcare space, but more on the built environment, ecosystem, and that, that market. Um, so how we do it, the first is, you know, when and the hardware and the hardware and edge and the physical environment. Our hardware is uh, plug and play. All you have to do is tell us what are these different systems and data sources that are out there. So if you have a meter that you want us to connect to, does it have a pulse? Is it a submeter with a mod bus? If you're connecting to a cooling tower, is that has a chemical station with a Modbus output? Are you connecting to a water meter there, um, a flow uh, meter? And once we know all these data points, we all we have to do is give you the bridges to, to these and you wire them, you power, and then immediately the data starts to uh, be available in real time on our cloud. Um, from your cell phone, from tablet, whatever. Our hardware actually by design has no screen, no buttons, nothing. Nothing can go wrong, really. An 18-year-old intern can actually get that system connected to the equipment, the meters, other sensors very quickly. Um, and then on the cloud side, what we we have several features that make this usable in an easy way. So the first thing is that because we have so many different types of data that an environment would need us to bring online, after we set up the hardware to connect to all of these uh, systems, we, you can go into our dashboard, click a button, and we'll create, based on the data that you're collecting, your base dashboard. And then from there, you can become more sophisticated and change things and whatnot. But that uh, makes it that first step easy. And then, you know, we have features around setting thresholds and things like that, that will then uh, create alerts if things are not working as they should or outside what you would expect. You know, consumption is more than what we need it to be. And so then you're not requiring someone to every day have to log in to see that data. You're serving them the information that they need when they need it. And that's also, I think, a factor in just making this whole interaction with our technology very easy, very smooth, very useful and valuable to our clients. Absolutely. I think we saw back in the 80s and 90s when these energy management systems and building automation systems from Honeywell and uh, these large manufacturers started to come up. And I think um, simplicity was pretty much non-existent back then. So I think the wide scale adoption was there in the beginning because there was a lot of excitement, but then there was a lot of pushback because I think in the earlier on days, people just kept getting hit with a lot of O&M expenses of these software, you know, and building automation infrastructures that they were building. And so I think that may have jaded the community a little bit. You know, a lot of the facility managers that we run into might be upwards in age of 45, 50, even 55 and above. And so they may have experienced some of that 
in the beginning stages. When you look in the world of energy, I know, you know, you came from the idea of a medical application with these sensors and you're kind of, as you've grown, you've started to see the wide scale applicabilities in different markets. But in regards to energy efficiency, how do you see where Senseware has really set themselves aside from others in the space, uh, Datequip and Honeywell and, and these other these other folks? Yeah, so we are uh, first and foremost a data company, a real-time data company. We create solutions around the real-time data. And so we go where that's important and valuable, knowing what's happening in real time. So when it comes to energy, we have always looked at it from what is the data that you need to accomplish what you're trying to do with the energy data? So if you're trying to uh, conserve energy, you pretty much want to know how much is the consumption so you need to connect to the meter or submeters in the space. But you may also want to connect to the most energy consuming equipment in the space because you want to go to that granular level versus you know, the aggregated level. So why don't we get that data as well to the mix? So we can go to the equipment level with CTs and whatnot to get you that data. Whatever, what we're hearing also from the market on the energy conservation is the usage of the space ties back to how you're conserving energy. So temperature and humidity and granular levels, not just what you get from thermostats and zones, it make, is a factor in how you can uh, come up with plans to really effectively conserve energy. So let's get you that data. So um, we're not one size fits all and we don't come as a prescriptive. This is, you know, the data that we get you use it or not. We start with a customer saying this is what I'm trying to accomplish. And then from there, we walk backwards and say, okay, then this is actually the data that you need. And I, that's our differentiator is that we are all about getting the data that you need. Because we're getting data and different types of data, um, our technology interfaces better with the service providers that can complement that data was some sort of a service that they then provide to the end client. So I think this is also a differentiator, a different way of us going to market because we're a data company. We don't go direct and expect the client, the end user to try to interpret the data and figure out things. We uh, partner with the different service providers that either their ESCOs or engineering um, organizations that take our system, add their value on top, their services uh, on top, and then uh, package that. And we become a um, technology enabler for their end users. Um, so that's how we approach the market, too. Well, I'll tell you, on, on my side, I'm very, very thankful for companies like you out there because understanding data and technology is quite different than assessing building systems at the engineering level. I always found it very interesting, but not necessarily something I would want to do 24-7. So I'm thankful for companies <laughs> like yours out there that we can partner with hopefully here soon. Um, so switching gears a little bit, uh, you know, 2020 has, has been uh, the, probably the craziest year for all of us ever. Um, obviously, you know, you started with the health application first. Um, March happened, COVID hit. What did you do? Yeah. So prior to COVID, 
we've done a lot of um, real-time data processing from the physical environment. Typically, it's been at the, the built environment ecosystem. So we were getting data from construction sites. We were getting data from buildings. We were getting data from the equipment in buildings. And a few years before COVID, we got requested to get air quality data from uh, indoor spaces. And that was actually triggered by the fires in California. We had a client there that said, well, I'm trying to figure out how to manage my HVAC so that I create the healthiest environments and most comfortable for our tenants. But I need to have a visibility of the particles in the air, how bad it is so that I can have that um, actionable insight. And so we, we started to support and connect and integrate with air quality data prior to COVID. And that set us up really well uh, when COVID hit. Because as COVID hit, and I'm sure every business was trying to figure out how their identity changed, what can they offer to the market in uh, the face of this new circumstances. So the good thing is that as we looked at the research and the science, everything was pointing to the fact that COVID is uh, transmitted primarily through airborne uh, aerosolized particles. Um, so that pushed us more into trying to see, well, if we want to help businesses reopen, it would be nice for them to know how healthy and clean the air that they breathe. That if airborne is a primary mode of transmission, then that type of data will really be needed in any indoor space. And we had already some of these air quality sensors that we worked with. But again, because we are a data company, we didn't stop there. We dug deep into the science and we tried to put together a package that's really answering the questions of today. So the solution we, we put together, we say it's more than air quality monitoring, it's airborne monitoring. Because it has a traditional thing, sensors that are around mostly ventilation, CO2, particulate matter, VOC, uh, temperature and humidity. But we also added sensors that give you data on all of the pillars of clean air. So filtration, um, uh, disinfectants, and airflow and air exchange. So... The CO2, PM, VOC, temperature, humidity don't answer those other areas of clean air. So, for example, we started to integrate with a clean room grade uh, particle counter sensor that can count particle 2.3 microns, which is the most problematic in a space because they're the ones that linger in the air for longer periods of time. And it's the size that filtration uh, filters are, ha have a hard time filtering out. So with adding that sensor, we're answering the question on the pillar of filtration, is that working? Which is a big factor in uh, making sure that it's a clean, healthy air. Um, and the same thing, we asked our questions, well, wouldn't people want to know if there's COVID in the air as a way to also reopen spaces? So we also looked through the space, the sensor space, and I actually found a sensor that is designed to specifically identify pathogens in the air and where um, it's able to specifically now develop new capability to 
identify COVID, SARS-CoV-2 pathogen specifically, which is a virus responsible for COVID-19. And so this comprehensive airborne monitoring solution has been really resonating in this space as an effective way to uh, incorporate in plans to reopen safely. Because when both the virus is invisible and the, and the threat is invisible and the measures are invisible, how do we know it's working? And this is a piece that we're bringing to the table. Well, it sounds like you guys are already kind of set up for this, uh, you know, crazy pandemic that that came upon us. You know, we we did kind of something similar where we were already in the energy efficiency and lighting space. And so we're already doing walkthroughs of facilities, assessing uh, systems to include the HVAC system. And with the heavy background in lighting, the pivot into germicidal ultraviolet light as a tool to combat um, the coronavirus was was kind of pretty easy for us mm-hmm. because we were already in that space. As an engineer, when you talk about assessing the the environment, we look at indoor air quality, we look at indoor environmental quality, which is, encompasses you know, other outside factors as well. When we're trying to assess, you know, velocity, airflow, humidity, temperature, all these things that you listed, we can, we understand that we can do it. There is a cost to that, right? But it's how do we know what actions to take after that? Like, what do the systems actually do? So what are you seeing some of your service provider partners actually doing with the information or is there has there been situations where you've been able to seamlessly integrate not only the capturing of the data but to be able to actually perform an action if not in real time quickly enough to to perform the outcome that the client wants which is a safer space uh, that's my first question and the second question is when someone comes and says, well, how much safer is my space now than it was before, given what you've just implemented, how do you answer those questions? Yeah, so the first question around um, what do they do with the data or can they do anything? Um, there are two parts to that. There's where we are getting the data to actually verify that the intervention measures are working as they should. So if you are investing millions of dollars in disinfectants or air filtration you know, units and whatnot, um, just knowing that these are working and the investment that you put in place are working is what the client is actually needing. Not necessarily to do anything because they already have the intervention in place. Is that it's actually these are actually working. So that's how you know when we're working and partnering with intervention type companies, uh, that's our, the role that we play is to ensure their clients that what they're doing is working. On the other side, where there's no necessarily an intervention uh, specifically. Um, and it's more about um, just knowing how healthy the air that we breathe is there is actually an issue. Um, that's where, you know, some, some automation would be possible, but not every measure uh, is something that can be automated. For example, if we detect COVID in a space, um, 
yes, you can uh, try to figure out how to change the edge back into the future so that you reduce that uh, or prevent that from that happening in the future. But right now, the action that needs to be taken is that people need to evacuate the place. And so that's not something you can automate. But there are other things that can be automated, mainly HVAC and improving HVAC, because as you know, now uh, HVAC units are controlled uh, based on temperature readings. And now what we project the market will want is that you actually change and optimize your HVAC operations based on air quality. So the complete picture of how clean, healthy, safe the air is. And so because we think that's where the market is going, temperature is not going to be enough anymore. We are actually creating an integration with HVAC systems where the, day, the air quality data is then presented in a backnet specifically format so that then it can be introduced at the data point into the building management system. So now you can have that automation and improvement in real time as you're getting that data. Your other question around the... How do you know what you need to do? Is it, is it better now than before? Well, that's exactly how we message the value of our solution is that you actually shouldn't invest in, in all of these measures until you actually know how bad your space is, where are the vulnerable areas and what are the vulnerabilities that are there. So you could use our system to actually, like I said, all the pillars of clean air to actually identify, is it the filtration that's an issue? Is it the ventilation? Is it something where we need the airflow to change? And and then deploy strategically the right measures to improve the areas where we're seeing issues. So it's measure, uh, verify that these, measure to know what are the vulnerabilities Make the right changes, verify that these are working as you expect them to, to work, and then monitor, which is continuous monitoring as these degrade over time or how you, you know, their performance is not, you know, how it was set up originally. You will be able to be notified so you can continuously keep that space uh, great. You know, you talked about kind of in the future, your systems being integrated with the building automation systems and and providing that da- that data point. You know, I think right now when we look at in the in our world of energy, we look at Energy Star scoring and benchmarking as like a starting point to say how bad is your facility. I think in the very near future, we're going to start seeing like a score associated with indoor air quality. And there's going to be uh, restrictions or um, standards that that people are going to have to meet, buildings are going to have to meet. So whether it's ASHRAE adopting a specific IAQ standard, um, uh, you know, way that we're we're able to 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 get this done. You know, I think we can't just come out and say, "Hey, this is the new standard." We got to have a way to get it done. That's going to be the future where you're going to walk into a building or you're going to be a facility manager and a building manager and you're going to say, okay, my air quality score is an 80 right now and my system's operating as if it's an 80. And then if it drops to a 70, the system's going to operate as if it's a 70. So I think that's a great point there. So I know we're running out of time. I had so much I wanted to cover. I think we covered a lot. Serene, if you could offer some advice to some youngsters coming out of high school or college wanting to get into the energy space or into monitoring and M&V, what would you recommend they do? 
I think um, there's a lot to learn. I would say try to find um, an organization that uh, can provide that training uh, because there's just in the world of energy and M and V, um, there's just so many different pieces. So uh, I feel like if there is, um, you're able to go into an organization that has success in this space, there's uh, opportunities to really learn about what's out there, um, so that you can really figure out what is your area of expertise. So if there's um, there's an opportunity like that, I would say, for that energy if people are interested in energy to, to try to do that and how can we reach you doctor give us a shout out for since where yeah that would be uh great uh, so on our website you can go to senseware.co that's the best way to reach us so just go there check it out well that is our time for today dr serene thank you so much for joining us today on the energy sense podcast i really enjoyed talking with you today Thanks for listening to the Energy Sense podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcast. Please subscribe, follow us, and share with a friend, and we'll see you next time.